Live from the Pacific Northwest, it's Portland Story Theater's Urban Tellers. Real. True. Stories. May the narrative be with you. And now for something completely different. (laughs) I have never really felt alone. So if you see me out by myself having dinner at a table set for four, don't worry, I'm very happy. And you might think that's crazy, but I'm okay with my crazy. You see, I was a lucky little girl. I got to grow up on a farm in eastern Washington uh, in the Palouse country, just outside of Spokane. And even though both my parents worked, my mom, she worked, uh, it was not a working farm, I should say that. Uh, We were surrounded by wheat fields, uh, but uh, we just lived in the middle of them. (laughs) My dad would go to work, and my mom was an antique dealer, and she took one of the outer buildings and turned it into a shop. And a lot of times she'd be busy with the clients, people stopping by, and so I'd have to entertain myself. My closest neighbor was a mile away, but I actually didn't even know that in the beginning. They could have been thousands of miles away because I couldn't go past a certain telephone pole. (laughs) (laughs) And my closest sibling, my brother Chris, is seven years older than me. So when I was four, he was 11, and there wasn't a lot in common. So as long as I can remember, I had my friend Mott's my imaginary friend. I'm not exactly sure when Mott's came on the scene, but we did everything together, you know, from tic-tac-toe to chasing rabbits or arguing who's going to ride the horse or the pony. That's right, I had a pony, okay? (laughs) I had everything at my beck and call, including Mott's. And we would argue, uh, you know, I would argue with my friends. You know, I was really trying to do the real world thing, you know. And uh, we would race. And one of my favorite things to do was uh, run around the perimeter of the property. We'd uh, foot race. And he'd always tease me. He'd be like, girls can never beat boys. And I'm like, oh, yeah? Bring it. So we would run, and we'd go past the windmill, down by the plum trees, up by the Quonset hat, around the barn. And then I could see it, the yellow ribbon that we pinned earlier. And we went down that straightaway. And right at the last second, I beat him every time. (laughs) But when school started, I was excited. I was like, ooh, real children. (laughs) And it was great. Kindergarten or first grade, I was queen of dramatic play. I would, I would, I would direct all the musicals and the plays and tell, you know, if they didn't know which cartoon character they wanted to be, I would tell them. Because I had had lots of practice in my playhouse at home with Mickey and Minnie and Kermit and Miss Piggy and Animal. (laughs) I kind of knew how the game was going to be played. And everything was great. I got five stars for Plays Well with Others. (laughs) I liked the school thing, and I loved being with the other children. Things changed in second grade, and I remember and never will forget the day that they changed. I was busy talking to my friend Brian. Um, We weren't in centers anymore. We were in rows, in desks. So I had to kind of lean over and talk to Brian and try to figure out which cartoon character he wanted to be for cartoon tag. 
at recess, which was coming up, you know, really quick. So this is important stuff. So I was talking to him, and then all of a sudden, a hand slammed down on my desk. It was Mrs. Ryder, our teacher. And her eyes were steel blue. And she had had it with me. She picked up my desk, and she shoved it over to the window. And I followed her with my chair. <laughs> when I got there, she looked at me. And she pointed up to the window and she said, you see those clouds? That's where your head's at. You'll be here from now on. And no more talking. You could have heard a pin drop. In fact, I could hear the lead on the worksheet papers from my classmates. I could feel the heat rise up into my face and it burned. I stared at that beige desk for the longest time. But finally I looked up and out. And it wasn't so bad. I was by the window. And those clouds are pretty cool. They turned into dragons and teddy bears and ants. The milk trucks and the bread trucks go in and out. And the janitor comes out for a smoke break, and the cook joins him, and I think they have something going on. <laughs> <laughs> but shortly after that, I, I would get pulled from class a couple times a day and sent down to the remedial room, which was in another part of the building. It was a little tiny room. It did have one small window, but I remember that room being so bright. When you walk in the door, there were kitty posters and puppy posters with inspirational sayings. And of course, there was Mrs. Eden. Mrs. Eden had this short, curly hair. And, and I always remember her wearing these like bright pink polyester pants. <laughs> and this apron, she always had this colorful apron on and it had deep pockets. And inside those pockets were finger puppets and stickers and surprises. If you were lucky, you got to put your hand in there. <laughs> it was a goal. <laughs> and uh, there was one round table, and I was never in there by myself. There were always a couple other children in there with me. And Mrs. Eden, she was great. She would teach us, like, stories on the felt board about how many nuts does the squirrel need from this tree to put in his little nest for the winter. And we learned about math, and we learned about reading, and I remember that we would celebrate because I remember the epic day that I learned that the and the were the same word. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, think about comprehension. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> and she would dance with us, and, and, and it was great, and it was a safe place. And it was a place where I really, I did, I did learn there. And it went on for a couple years, or quite a few years, up until sixth grade. And when I went to sixth grade, uh, things had changed. Mrs. Eden retired. And there was a new remedial teacher, Mrs. Yonkers. And she was nice but she was fresh out of school and armed with flashcards and workbooks. The little room that I loved so much, 
had turned into the janitor's office. And now we would meet in the staff room where there was one long table and it smelled like stale popcorn and coffee. And after she would be done with the flashcards with me, sometimes she would set a worksheet in front of me with two number two pencils and a timer. And then she would leave. It didn't really work, but hey, <laughs> she tried. The other thing that changed is in sixth grade, my friends had changed. They were into their hair and their makeup and boys. They also were vocal about me being pulled from class. They'd be like, you're stupid, you're an idiot, and you're a baby. They call me a baby because I was still bringing my puppets and my toys to class, and I still wanted to direct musicals, but they had moved on. I was ostracized. Until it was Valentine's Day and they needed a cool poem, they came to me secretly. And I was happy that they paid any attention to me. Because the next few years, and I'm sure I'm not alone on this, middle school sucked. And, yeah, wow, let's hear it for making it through. God. I'd never be that age again. Time machine, skip that section, you know. Straight to eight, okay? So it was hard, and I even would miss school. I'd call in sick, or I'd have my mom call in sick, and she would do it for me because she could see how hard it was for me. And my parents, they still supported me. They saw that this was a wonderful thing for me. And my dad, he built me a puppet theater and they put it in my mom's antique shop in the corner. And I would do puppet shows for the kids when they came in with their parents, where their parents shopped till they dropped. <laughs> and it was good at home. But at school, it sucked. Middle schoolers are cruel. And somehow, like we all did, I made it through. The summer before my freshman year in high school, in my small farming community, I went to school with, uh, it was a K through 12 school, and I went to school with more than half the kids all the way through. <laughs> and uh, that summer before we discovered that I was good, I was an athlete, I was a cross country runner, and I could really run and run and run and do it fast. And I joined cross country, and it gave me focus, and I did well. And by the time I was a sophomore in high school, all those people that weren't my friends anymore because I was stupid, all of a sudden I was a jock and I was cool again. So I'll take it. <laughs> and I got through high school, and because of the cross country, I, I got a scholarship, and I went to college. I got my degree. I got my teaching certificate. I got my master's in education. I know. All the while, though, I would still go to the writing lab, to the math lab, diligently. I'm like the original ADD kid. I'm like, help me. <laughs> <laughs> and they did. They helped me. And I got through, and I was like, I'm going to be a teacher, and I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to teach kids like Mrs. Eden and I'm gonna have puppets in my pockets, and I'm gonna, and I got a job at a really good school. But I still couldn't teach the way that I wanted to teach because there's this thing called core curriculum and standardized testing. <laughs> Do you know what I did with those standardized tests? Those bubbles? When I was a kid, I made little happy faces <laughs> and trees and suns. It was actually, I should probably enter an art contest. It was pretty good. 
<laughs> so everything that was hard for me as a kid in school was just amplified as a teacher, and I quit. And that was 13 years ago. And the first thing I did was make a business card because I decided that I should probably do what my heart's been telling me all along. Penny's Puppet Productions. Professional storyteller and puppeteer. Yeah. Yeah. Before I even got one gig. <laughs> That's how it works, you know. And it did work. And I've been doing it. And it's been wonderful. And you know what? My imaginary friends come to work with me every day. They help me tell stories. I connect with those kids. I connect with hopefully adults. <laughs> we sing songs and I make a difference and they make a difference to me too. But five years ago, another hand slammed down on me. My dad died unexpectedly. Two years ago, my mother died after a long battle of Alzheimer's. And it's been a whirlwind and upside down and so much heartache to lose the people that always believed in me and supported all of this. <laughs> but I miss them every day. And, you know, my friend Mots, I always used to tell my brother, he would get mad at me, he'd be like, when we were kids, he'd be like, what's up with Mots, Penny? You know, where is he? Where is he? And I'd be like, Mots is everywhere. <laughs> and now that things have calmed down with my folks, I'm like, you know what? My parents are everywhere. Just like Mots. 